0: Denizens of the night, welcome to another episode of the macabre, the terrifying. Broadcasting live from the darkest shadows of an ancient copse, I will be your guide through the witching hours. Tonight we will meet a merchant looking to turn a particularly good profit. To that end, he's hired two men to escort him to a small village in the woods, which has recently become famous for a certain product that can only be found near the village. As night begins to fall, they find a particularly unsettling road through the woods lies ahead of them. And who knows what else? This story is called Blackwood and was written by A.G. Hilton. The light ran red and the shadow of the wagon stretched long upon the road as the bloody sun descended behind the trees. The terrain had grown more rugged over these past miles, where once the countryside lay open, dense forest began to advance upon the roadway. Rourke ceased his incessant fiddling with the crossbow in his lap and pointed ahead. I think we'd best stop, sir. I don't reckon we've enough light to reach the village and... I don't much like the idea of going through these trees after dark. Stahl peered ahead, shielding his eyes against the sun's last rays to see what the guard was indicating. A dense wall of trees sprang up ahead as if from nowhere, the road cutting through its middle fading into blackness as if it passed not under boughs but into the entrance to some cave. Surely it can't be much further. The last marker said it was scarcely five miles more, and by my reckoning, we've completed at least two of those already, if not a little more. If it takes us a little travel after dark to stay in a proper bed, I say have at it. If I sit on this seat much longer, my ass is liable to become one giant splinter. Aye, sir, a proper bed sounds nice after these nights on the road, but I'd be neglecting my duties if I advised you to push through that after dark. Stall made a rude sound and flicked the reins. But Rourke had a point. They'd seen no sign of human activity at all in these past miles, and if there ever were a more fitting place for bandits or highwaymen to lay in wait, he'd yet to see it. His merchant's mind immediately went to the various goods in the wagon and began cataloging the risk versus reward. Ah... But the thought of a bed and flagon of ale was so tempting. While Stahl turned the whole affair over in his mind, Darrow's head emerged from the flap behind the wagon's driver's seat. The thickly bearded man blinked against the dying light in a way that suggested he'd been catching sleep on the job. What's this? We thinking of stopping then? Aye, said Rourke. I was just telling our illustrious employer that if he values the coins and goods he has, he better wait one more night. After all, we ain't opposed to doing our job and defending this little operation if the need arises, but I don't see why we need to go traipsing straight into harm's way." Stahl fought back a smile. Watch that impudent tongue of yours. It's on the benevolence of these goods and this coin that you find gainful employment at all. I can promise you the ladies whose company you keep wouldn't look as kindly on you without the coin I put in your pocket. Rourke blushed. Stahl prepared to continue his rejoinder at the man's expense when Darrow pointed down the roadway. Who's this now? A man emerged from the shadows of the trees at the point where the road entered the forest. He was clad in a simple jerkin and a wide-brimmed hat pulled down against the sun's last rays. He raised a hand in acknowledgement of the approaching wagon. Rourke tensed. What was that about this impudent tongue, Master Stahl? I think it's just saved you from walking into a snare. Darrow, get the spears. Stall raised a hand. Wait a minute, you two, and put down that crossbow, Rourke. We go making a local farmer into a pincushion thinking he's a highwayman, and we might as well turn around now. Darrow, go on ahead. See what the trouble is. Darrow, who had just wrestled the spears free from some bags of goods in which they had become entangled, huffed. He climbed out the back of the wagon and made his way ahead, hand resting lightly on a long knife at his side. The man in the wide-brimmed hat advanced to meet him. The two met in the middle of the roadway, a hundred yards before the wagon. Stahl strained to make out something of the conversation, but at this distance all was lost. The two went on for a time, Darrow gesturing further up the road, the man gesturing in the opposite direction. All the while, Stahl tried to keep one eye on the tree line to spy any sneaking shadows while watching the sun continue to sink in the distance. At this rate, they'd likely already given up any chance of beating Sundown. Then Darrow trudged back to the wagon, the other man in tow. "'Well?' shouted Stahl. "'What's the trouble? We're wasting what daylight we have left!' Says he needs to talk to who's in charge. Some trouble up the road. What's this about trouble? The stranger stepped forward and bobbed his head in a polite gesture, hat flopping slightly with emotion. Pardon, master merchant, sir, but you can't continue to yonder town. It's bad business. And who might you be bearing such insights? We've been on the road for three days, I'll need more information if you expect me to turn around before turning a profit. Aye, I understand you, master. But I come from yonder town of Blackwood, and I'm telling you, there be witchery afoot. Stall snorted. Darrow and Rourke exchanged an uneasy glance. Come now, what's this talk of witchery? If I didn't know better, I'd say you've got some friends in hiding, waiting to take us while we're stalled here. Nothing like that, Master. Honest, I am. But I insist you don't continue. And yet, here you are, alone on the road. Is no one else seeking to flee from this supposed witchery? That's just it. I don't know there's anyone else left. If it pleases you, I can tell the tale at length, so long as you agree not to enter yonder trees tonight. I don't know about this one, whispered Rourke. Liable to be a setup, I'd warrant. Maybe, Stahl replied quietly, or maybe he's soft in the head. Then, to the stranger, Ho there, my good man! "'Supposing we do as you say and stop for the night? "'Seems we'd be at your mercy should there be treachery afoot. "'I don't buy your tale of witchery. "'Why then should we stop?' "'The stranger shifted back and forth, head still downcast. "'Aye, I understand your hesitance, "'but I swear no treachery be afoot. "'All I ask is that you not go further into yonder trees.' and not disturb them. Mayhaps my tale will persuade you. Perhaps. I'll admit I'm intrigued by what you have to tell. Perhaps you'd be willing to relate it, and perhaps we'll run you through at the first sign of any trouble. What say you to that? Aye, if it pleases you, for as I said, I bear no ill will toward you. Stahl exchanged a glance with Rourke the man seemed uncertain but shrugged, placing the burden of decision in the hands of his employer. At Stahl's direction, they began to set camp well away from the forest ahead. Dusk waned to dark, and Stahl had his boys start a stew over a fire using some of the cordwood they kept on hand. The stranger, head always bowed beneath his wide hat, declined to partake. After eating... Stahl sent Darrow and Rourke to watch the perimeter. The stranger was the first to speak. What business brings you to such a small place as yonder Blackwood? I should think that's obvious. The bows bearing the town's namesake are quite the commodity. Blackwood trees make such excellent bows, or so I'm told. The stranger sat quiet for a time, eyes still hidden by that broad-brimmed hat. I ah, reckoned as much, he said at length. That was always the trouble. Indeed, and how so? Blackwood bows have been rising in prominence of late. What with war in the north, they fetch a pretty penny. Aye, we in Blackwood reckon so. Twas what began everything. So... Now we get down to it. Stahl leaned back against one of the wagon's wheels and chewed on a piece of grass. I tell you, it's been a long while since I've heard a good tale. I've actually been anticipating yours. Well, go on. What doom came up yonder road that should send us back? Do you know wherefore they call the bows Blackwoods? I've never given a thought to tell the truth. Figured it was a regional name for the village that crafts them. The stranger grunted. Blackwood trees only root around these parts. Rare things, they are. Don't enjoy the light like othern. They mostly grow in the deep part of the forest. Seem they come out from the foot of the mountains, where the boughs are thickest and the axe falls rarely in it ever falls at all. That's where the woodmen would have to venture, if they sought Blackwood. Upon a time, they were only cut on occasion. When a boy of village Blackwood took it in mind he was a man, he would go into the woods after a sapling, what might sometimes grow near the outskirts of the forest's heart. Then he'd make a bow from the sapling. (laughs) quaint ritual sometimes the boy be out for days if they couldn't find a sapling and they would have to search deep into the forest sometimes they didn't come back it always said the heart of the forest was a thin place full of weirding powers oh, but of course it is stall caught himself grinning faintly already guessing at the tail's trajectory back then Bows of the blackwood tree held little account. They were tools of farmers. Family heirlooms passed down. But over years, heirlooms were sold and traded, and other were carried off into the world by adventurous young ones who couldn't stay rooted in a place like village blackwood. Then began to come men like you, master merchant, come to trade but not meaning to peddle simple goods and seed for coppers. They wanted bows, and they'd pay right nice for them. First, they were turned back. The elders reckoned the Blackwood was special, and the village was made upon its respect for the weirding trees. But the merchant men kept coming, and the elders grew weary. For long, the elders passed on and their hesitations with them. The young'uns were eager for the coin, so they traded. But the merchantmen came back again and again, every time a-wantin' more. Soon, nary a sapling was to be found in the lighted parts of the forest. So the woodsmen sought to dig deep in the forest's heart. They wanted to fell the large black woods. All ebony barked and twisting, would have stood for time unknown in the shadows at the foot of the mountain. Some folks still said it weren't right and argued, but they was hushed up. And when the bows brought more money, well, no one paid them much mind. Things went like that for a time. Woodsmen cut wider trails through the forest, always cutting deeper toward the foot of the mountain and forest's heart. Then came a time when the men who went to cut the trees stopped coming back. The old folks who remembered the warnings of the elders whispered that the men were taken by the weirding powers of the place. But the uns paid them no mind. More men they sent and more never returned. For long, even the hard-headed ones realized it weren't no use sending more men into the woods. But money do be a powerful motivator, as I'm sure you understand. Just before the men stopped coming back from their jaunts in yonder woods, the council signed an agreement with a merchant man representing the Northers, to give a great many blackwood bows to their forces at a high price. Twas just as the war were getting hot in those lands. Having this in mind, they reckoned they had to find some way to make good on that order, or the money which they'd grown accustomed to might stop altogether. What's more, folks started seeing things at the forest's edge when night came. Talk among the womenfolk was of strange beasts stalking about with shiny black eyes. So they sent for a diviner. Stahl scoffed. Charming, of course they did. You know, you do tell an excellent fairy story. What will show up next? A dragon? I seen one of them diviners before. Stahl turned to find Darrow lingering just beyond the firelight. Eavesdropping, are we? I thought I told you to mind the perimeter. I was, Mr. Stahl, I I am. Just happened to be passing by, you know, walking the perimeter and all. I see. And pray tell, what interest do you have in diviners? I do hope you've not wasted your pay on those charlatans. Darrow kicked at some loose stones. I ain't saying I put stock in them having powers, but they're queer folk. Used to be one who'd come through the village I grew up in. Strange he was. Had his head shaved and them symbols tattooed all over his head. Like they say a proper mystic ought to. A proper mystic. There's no such thing and you ought to know better. Now get about your duties. Go on. The stranger was silent a moment, then tilted his head and seemed to regard Stahl askance from the shadows beneath the brim of his hat. I reckon you've learned in many things of the world, Master Merchant. Certainly more learned than us simple village folk. Uh, What's this now? Yes, I reckon you'd think you know too much to heed me. Them what knows of the sunlit world take little stock in what be outside it. Stahl studied the strange man anew. Suddenly, he got the strange feeling that he was being sized up by the fellow, not unlike a rabbit before the hound. I've a mind for business, Stahl said. If that makes me of a mind for the concrete, the tangible, what of it? I'm sorry, but I hold little stock in mysticism. Though, your story intrigues me. I'd hear the rest out. I don't think a curse befell the town, but I'm sure you've your reasons for saying so. Perhaps I'll see the truth of it regardless. Or perhaps whoever you have waiting to spring on us will be growing impatient soon? Hmm. As I told you, a diviner was called from afar off. As your man there told, he came alone to the village, bearing the signs of his trade. The village folk told him of the missing men and the haints what they had been seeing from the woods, about the shiny black eyes watching at night. Long they talked, and he asked many a question about wherefore he was called and what the people had done what might have started the strangeness. Then they put a bag of silver in the diviner's hands and sent him off to the heart of the wood. One day passed. Then another. Then six days. Nobody spoke much above a whisper. The days grew pale and cold, though you know as well as I that autumn is still a month or more in coming. All the while, the folks closed up the windows and doors, because each night, Strange cries went up, and dark shapes scurried between the houses. And each new morn, a house sat empty, with all who lived there gone. Weren't no trace left behind, except claw marks at the doors and windows. Then, on the seventh day, the diviner came back. Boss! Stahl barely suppressed a startled yelp. Something in the stranger's words had sucked him in. Despite the stranger ceasing his talk, the images he conjured continued playing out in the merchant's mind. A dark silhouette backed by a cold gleam making its slow way into a silent village. Closer and closer it came, Its features not yet seen, but soon, and when they come into view. Boss, looky here. It was Rourke coming from the darkness, carrying something glistening. Damn it all, man, what in the bloody hells are you? But the words caught in Stahl's throat as Rourke dropped what he held just within the fire's light. It was a slim thing, only three feet in length and branching on both ends, one with gnarled protrusions and the other with whip-like tendrils. Stahl had never seen its like before, but he guessed its nature immediately. I reckon that's one of them there saplings our guest talked about, Rourke said. A blackwood sapling. <laughs> A Queer thing, ain't it? Never seen bark with that kind of shine to it. Saw it reflecting the firelight just within the ferns. Figured there was no harm in going ahead and laying claim to it. Stahl couldn't believe it. Blackwood trees and the bows made from them have become well known in the past year, but after hearing the stranger's tale, seeing one in the flesh filled him with a strange sense of unreality. Suddenly, that image from the end of the tale sprang back to mind and the imagined dark silhouette was once more approaching. But this time, there's something more. A noise. Low, throaty, and bestial, it rattled in Stahl's eardrums. He knew not what could make such a rumbling tone, but hears in it enough to recognize the warning of some great thing which is soon to pounce should another step be taken into its den. Then Rourke and Darrow screamed lunatic screams, and the ghost images of the stranger's tale which had formed before the merchant's eyes shattered. Stahl sat at the fire looking about in confusion as he caught sight of Rourke and Darrow fleeing beyond the firelight. And across from him, the stranger stood, taller than his small frame would seem to permit. His great floppy hat fell from his head, revealing an array of interlocking mystic symbols tattooed across his skull. The rumbling persisted, and Stahl realized it's coming from the stranger. No, not just from the stranger, for the night was now alive with it, as if a hundred throaty voices had taken up the same call as if one, and he grew aware of the feeling of many eyes watching from beyond the darkened trees. Yet even the sounds were soon lost as Stahl gazed into the stranger's eyes. They were eyes which were black as coal and as glimmering as glass. Eyes old beyond years and full of fell power. Eyes not of flesh and blood, but of earth and stone and of black wood. Then came one final pronouncement, from all around, as the many voices spoke as one. You were warned. <laughs> I bet you knew there was something strange with that traveler, but you just weren't sure what, right? Oh, I love a good bit of tension in my story, and this one had it in spades. Like our merchant, I could practically hear the ominous sound of a large claw slowly rending a furrow along my front door. I know midnight is widely regarded as the spookiest time, But I'm more unsettled by the twenty or so minutes around sunset as the shadows deepen and darkness takes hold. If you've ever been in the woods during this time, you'll know just what I mean. If you enjoyed this story, please check out the author in the links below. He has several other books available now, and an audiobook narrated by MWAH! Please also leave a like on this video and subscribe for more stories like this one. Whatever you do, don't venture too close to the heart of the forest, and don't fall asleep. <laughs>